Welcome to the podcast, Two Teas in a Pod. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Two Teas in a Pod. Welcome back. This is our first episode in a series of episodes uh, targeting Cambridge exams. They're very, very popular here in Spain and all over the world. Specifically looking at the first certificate, which is the B2 um, exam that lots of students choose to do here in Spain. Mm-hmm. And lots of teachers uh, have to do classes to prepare for these exams. So the idea behind these episodes is to give tips for both students and for teachers. So we're going to try and divide this episode into a student section, general tips for students who are getting ready to take the exams, and then some tips for teachers. We're also going to be interviewing some teachers who are going to be giving us their specific tips for students. Um, So I hope it'll be useful. I hope so. That might be why you're listening to this podcast anyway. Yeah. Maybe you're doing it because you want to improve your listening skills as a student. One of the things you can do is listen to podcasts. One of the things you can do is listen to the podcast. Exactly. So, uh, overview. First certificate. What's your experience of teaching first certificate Um, classes? I found with first certificate, uh, often the exam itself is far more intimidating to students because it's such you know maybe they have a good b2 level it's a b2 exam maybe they have a good b2 level but because the format of the exam is so precise it can it can really put students off and confuse them yeah so i would say like familiarizing the students with the exam yeah is important those shouldn't be the main objective because if that's what you're aiming towards but you don't you're not quite don't quite have a level yet then you know you don't want to over focus on it yeah i you think know, you still want to do some general english that's what i find yeah i think uh obviously you need to focus on like you're saying the actual the way the exam works and strategies for approaching it yeah um but classes like that can be quite Dry and boring. Maybe that's They're what you need. So dull. Yeah. Maybe that's what you need in the like last two months just before you're going to take it. Just like technique, technique, technique. Yeah. Um, I think that ties into something we've been speaking to some um, teachers on Twitter, and they've pause for bird song. Tweet 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 tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and they've given us. Um, I put out a, a question asking for tips for students and tips for teachers. Um, and it ties in quite well. And well, one from Neil McMillan, who's a teacher and teacher trainer um, here in Barcelona. Um, he says something similar to what you were saying, Katie. That uh, don't bother with an exam prep course unless you're already at B2, because mm. you'll find that in the B2, in the first certificate prep course, you're going to be doing lots of technique and lots yeah. of practice exams. And if you've got holes in your grammar knowledge, there's stuff that you haven't studied you're not likely to have time to go over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe what you might need to do is buy some sort of self-study book and, you know, do some extra homework to fill in the gaps, the spaces where there's some grammar you haven't studied. Absolutely. And there's, like, definitely things that you can do as a student. There's things you can do at home to improve uh, how much you learn or how much you practice. Students, mm-hmm. I think, sometimes come into class thinking, well, I'm doing class for three hours a week. Yeah. That should, you know, that's enough to get me through yeah. the next, you know, I want to get 
I don't know, the first certificate by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And it, it's often, if you don't, if you're not quite at a B2 level, it's not enough. Yeah. So there are, you know, I would really recommend doing a lot of things at home, yeah. outside of homework and outside mm-hmm. of class to improve your improve your abilities. Definitely. You have to be quite disciplined with keeping track of the stuff that you study in class as well. Yeah. Keeping like a... Um, a good record of vocabulary that you studied in class. Yes, um, finding a finding a way to record vocabulary is really important. Mm-hmm. Either if you're organising that by category or by meaning, or if you're writing a translation, writing an example sentence, yeah. using even something simple like using different colours, highlighters. Yeah. So you can just flick back to that page and study it very very easily because there are certain topics in the first certificate that you're going to have to talk about. Yeah. You're going to have to be able to talk about your family, mm-hmm. about sports, mm-hmm. about free time activities, about the future. Mm-hmm. All the topics and the questions are kind of, yeah. you can split them into these specific areas you know, you're going to know, you know, you know you're going to need to talk <laughs> about. That was quite difficult to get out. <laughs> um, I, I mean, if you're any doubt about what those topics might be, looking at the contents page of any first certificate, mm-hmm. like kind of B2 book, you're going to see a, a right, wide range of yeah. different topics. Um, so just the kind of typical conversational ones, like yeah. you said, I would mm-hmm. say traveling as well. Add that yeah, to the travel, list. definitely. Yeah. Something that, um, an ex-colleague of mine used to do as a teacher, she used to encourage their students. So when they've got their notebooks, they open their notebooks the normal way for their class notes, so mm-hmm. the notes they're taking in class, mm-hmm. but then she encourages them to flip it upside down mm-hmm. and open it uh, backwards. Mm-hmm. And that would be her vocab section. So anytime they're doing vocab, she'd be like, right, guys, turn your notebooks over, open them from the other side, Mm -hmm. and that's your vocab section. So then if you want to do some quick studying, you're just flicking through those uh, pages, you're like, oh, yeah, these are the travel expressions. Oh, yeah, these are the future expressions. Or like, oh, here's all the phrasal verbs we did that Mm -hmm. week. Because phrasal verbs are really annoying. Yeah. I don't know know how to help you with phrasal verbs, guys. (laughs) Just learn, you just got to learn them. Yeah. Think of memorable ways. That's another thing as well, like giving yourself a technique or a, a way to remember something. Yeah. Like my Delta tutor remembers um, the way to say thank you in Basque, which mm-hmm. is scary casco. Scary casco, yeah. I remember uh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so he remembered it by thinking of casco, which is a helmet in Spanish. Right. And then scary, so a scary helmet. So ah. that's the way he. Re- so, like using techniques like that is going to help you remember. If you visualize a scary helmet, you're going to remember scary casco in, in Basque. Mm, okay. So, different techniques like that, the different memorizing techniques for vocabulary yeah. in particular. They're personal to you. Yeah. 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 Or even as well, similar thing for remembering pronunciation of different words. Some students, you know, they're intimidated by using all the phonetic symbols and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they invent their own kind of phonetic symbol. So to remember the pronunciation, pronunciation, pronunciation. Strange that I can't pronounce the, the word pronunciation. So they write it in a way that that will remind them how to say it, not using some using their own symbols. So yeah. it could be like they're spelling it out in as they'd say it in Spanish, exactly. as you pronounce it in Spanish. Exactly. Like don't be intimidated to you know write that down somewhere. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, that ties quite well into another thing that Neil was saying, Neil mm-hmm. McMillan was saying... On Twitter. Tweet, 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 tweet. He was saying to students to avoid 
um, well, and teach as well. Avoid those course book exercises that teach you 10 phrasal verbs with the same verb or particle. So let's do phrasal verbs with take. And it's like 10 different phrasal verbs that you'd use in 10 different contexts. So it's not sort of um, linking vocabulary by theme or situation. It's just 10 random yeah. you might as well verbs. Read, you might take. as well read a dictionary. Like, yeah. you know... As, for as much help as that's going to give you, mm-hmm. I would say definitely grouping by meaning is better than just grouping yeah. by phrasal verbs. So by meaning my like topic, by, yeah. by meaning my topic, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Some other tips from from Twitter. Tweet 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 tweet. Um, let, let's take a look at the one from Teresa Teresa Beswick, who's a teacher and teacher trainer. Um, she says that students who read frequently outside of class, articles, short stories, and blog posts, often do much better in the use of English tasks. I would so agree with that. Yeah. I think, well, your private student mm-hmm. who you teach, Lucas, is an yeah. avid reader. Exactly. And is a, a, an excellent example of that. Yeah. It's that the people who read a lot, there's this theory called uh, lexical priming. It's this idea that um, when you're reading and encountering new words, you're subconsciously picking up on the way that word fits into a sentence, the words either side of it, the preposition that goes with it. So then when it comes to doing like a use of English task, you instinctively know which word's correct because you've yeah. encountered that word um, several, on several, several times before. And the best one is when, like, like, like a student like Lucas, like someone who, who reads a lot, Lucas, who has, who's been on an episode He's been on an before. episode. He, Go back and listen to it. He's charming. He will know the answers to all the use of English parts, but he won't really be able to tell you why. That's what that's the sign of having a very good level of English because mm. it's instinctive. Yeah, you don't need like, to know why. Don't, need don't to know worry. Why. Don't worry about why. This one feels right. This one sounds right. Yeah, that's the one. That's and that's. I think that's really important. Like going with your instinct. Yeah. I've just we've just had exams at at my school, and one of the. You know, girls who's got a really good level and think is ready mm. to take the exam, uh, you know, just completely doubted herself yeah. mid-exam and just crossed out crossed out all the right answers. Yeah. She had them all correct and then just changed them all up and she could have got the full marks, yeah. but she, you know, lost four marks because she doubted herself. Go students, with your instinct. Students always do it. They go back. They answer the one quick, quickly and then in the last five minutes where they're checking them, like, they oh, cross oh, things they out. They doubt themselves. And you're like, ah, oh, no, just stick with your Yeah, stick go, with with your, your gut. go with your gut sometimes, guys. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you instinctively know it's unless right. you can really see that it's wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, there's a thing saying that you will get um, most of your correct answers, most of your marks. Um, the easy ones you'll get, the ones that you know, you'll get them very quickly. So yeah. in the first like Im- immediate look and filling in the ones that you know, that's when you're going to get like eighty percent of your marks. Yeah. And then you've got to work really hard in the rest of the time to try and pick up. up some extra marks in the questions where you really don't know what the answer is. Yeah, exactly. Like if it's an expression you don't know, you're not going to get it. So don't worry about it too much. <laughs> You know, you've got a 25% chance. Just yeah. put something down. That's another thing. I don't. I think, especially here, students sometimes leave an empty, um, mm-hmm. an, a mar- like a, a gap yeah. in the question because they think, oh, I don't want this to reflect badly on my marks or I don't want to get negative marks. There is no negative marking. Yeah. You're better off putting something down and getting it wrong. Yeah, and doing nothing. You know, in the off chance that you might get it right. So put something down always. Mm -hmm. No point Um, leaving a blank space. Exactly. Can we just go back to reading a little bit? Yeah. Um, 
it does say in that Teresa Bestwick does actually say in this tweet, but she, you know, I think when we're talking about reading, there's lots of different ways that you can read in English. You don't have to sit down and read a novel, Mm -hmm. but you, there's, you can read, like she says, students who read frequently articles, short stories, and blog posts. Well, exactly. Articles you can get anywhere Mm -hmm. on any kind of national, international newspaper website yeah or like or other magazine. ones like buzzfeed board panda like For example little it doesn't have to be yeah. super boring stuff like it can be you know stupid little the ones comments. ones that we've yeah. used in the podcast <laughs> exactly. um or like even twitter following someone on twitter mm-hmm. for yeah. example yeah definitely would also help um some other tips for students that we've got um one from jenny fogg she says that um, experimenting with different ways of completing each exercise and deciding what's best for the individual is a good way of approaching the exam. So like when you're starting off um, in a class, um, getting your student, as a teacher, getting your students to talk about the different approaches they have to different mm-hmm. parts of the exam. Um, so you're teaching them a way to complete the task, but maybe your students also have their own way and they can share that way with other students in the class as well. So if you've got a good way that works for you of completing a specific part of the exam, mm-hmm. tell your classmates, yeah. help each other out. I think that that is, yeah, that's good for individual parts of the exam. It's also mm-hmm. good for, you know, your, for example, doing the reading and use of English paper. May, some some of my students have found that they prefer to start with the the readings the readings first. Yeah. Find the you know like maybe they might do part seven first mm-hmm. and then six and five so that's all the readings out the way, and then go backwards through the use of English so doing part yeah. four which is the, in general what they find the hardest part three part two part one. Yeah. So part one is you know just multiple choice answers so when you're really pushed for time at the end of the exam. Yeah, you're doing at least as multiple choice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you could share that. You know, if there's a way that you find that works for you, experiment yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, Jenny also talks about well, similarly the idea of reading. She says, listen to whatever you like. Um, so there's so much content on the internet now these days with YouTube videos, mm-hmm. um, podcasts, yeah, um, tons of stuff. Yeah, loads. Like if you're really into video games, you could watch watch a Let's Play on YouTube, for yeah. example. You might learn some bad language as well, yeah. but you know, or um, watching like if you're a younger listener, indeed, watching some you know, vlog- bloggers, what are they called? Vloggers, vloggers, YouTubers. YouTubers and things like that. They, she mentions yeah. here Dan and Phil. Do you know Dan and Phil? Yeah, Dan is on fire and Amazing Phil. I know yeah. who they are, yeah. I watched like two minutes of it today and found them quite annoying. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm just, I can see why teenagers there's, are there's, into it. There's lots. There's lots of UK vloggers and American yeah. vloggers that you might want to follow. She's saying, Jenny that. actually said that one of her students who really likes Dan and Phil picked up like a perfect UK accent from just from watching them and copying like their, oh, the weird. way that they, they speak. They have very different accents. Yeah. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that, that is impressive. Um, something uh, along similar lines. Music as well. Music, yeah. Was that we you going to say? No, I was going to talk about Netflix. All right, okay. A friend well, of mine. music. I think music is really, really yeah. useful on, on many levels. If you enjoy music, then when you're listening to a song, trying to understand the lyrics, trying to pick up on them, you know, think about what they mean. 
mm-hmm. all of that stuff, that's, that's going to help you immensely as well. And it's amazing when you finally realise what the lyrics of a song are that you've been singing yeah. in a foreign language yeah. for ages. Um, I remember, for me, the song La Bamba. <laughs> Never. But like, when I was a kid, I was just like, and now it's like, now it's what Spanish. It? It's like, para, para bailar la bamba. To, para to, baila dance, la bamba. to dance la bamba. Oh. And then, se necesita un poquito de gracia. <laughs> and then it's just suddenly like, what's In always been to you, just like, bamba, bamba, bamba. And then you're like, oh, actually, no Yeah. And then you're like, it's click. And you're like, oh, wow. Bailar is dance. I understand Got that it. song. It can be really satisfying. And I've spoken to my girlfriend as well. Like she was, she used to sing along to the Spice Girls. Yeah. Didn't know what any of the words meant. She's and Venezuelan. Then, and then suddenly when she was like 18, 19, having this level, um, when she having this level got better, suddenly like, ah, that's what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> it can be one of these like eureka moments. It can be very when satisfying. When become one. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> It's about sex. <laughs> um, one more little thing, especially about like with streaming services. Uh, a good friend of mine recently who really wants to improve her level, um, not specifically for an exam, but just to improve her, her general level of like listening um, and English in general, has switched over from watching dubbed Netflix into English Netflix. And she's just said it's been really eye-opening. And she's watching shows that she's seen before now in the English original version with English subtitles. She says she only puts Spanish subtitles on when she's feeling tired or yeah. lazy. Yeah. And she lets herself do that maybe once a week, twice a week, I don't know, maybe the weekend. She's like, okay, I'm going to watch it in English, but I'm going to put the Spanish subtitles yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. But the rest of the time, um, she'll watch it in English with uh, English subtitles on. And she says it's just... Yeah. Been ama- an amazing experience for her, an amazing like the amount of yes. vocabulary she's pick up picking up on, um, and she just feels really a lot more confident with her listening skills now. Yeah, I, def- I would definitely recommend that as well. Mm, also, because when I was living in the Netherlands, uh, none of their TV is dubbed at all, yeah. and they have a lot of English. They have good quality Dutch shows as well, but um, a lot of their TV is is in English, like TV, like movies or a TV series or things like that. And all of that is subtitled. Mm-hmm. But because they're getting used to that from a really young age, I mean, they have the subtitles there, but they're very, very, very used to listening yeah. to English from a very young age. Yeah, or any, any country where they don't dub things. Yeah. They've got an amazing level of English. Portugal. Yeah. Portugal. Um, Gosh. Holland. Those Portuguese, they can speak a lot of languages. Yep. All down to, well, a lot of it's down to not <laughs> dubbing Blanket stuff. sweeping general statement there. <laughs> all down all to Portuguese that. All Portuguese can speak all languages. Well, they're generally better. Okay. Um, so we can, in future episodes, if there is any particular doubts that you have, mm-hmm. we will be focusing on the different skills involved in the first certificate. So if there's something particular, a question you have or a doubt or something like that please get in touch and we will try and focus on that in future episodes yeah we want to do like breakdown episodes of each paper talking about the speaking paper yeah. writing paper exactly reading news of english but yeah let us know get in touch yeah. please we'd love to hear from you now we're also got lots of teaching for tips. teaching tips tips for teachers it is quite tricky to teach the first certificate yeah, and make it engaging daunting. but before all that uh we're going to have a couple of interviews 
uh, with some people giving their specific tips for first certificate preparation. Roll the tape. So we are here with Susie Ratcliffe in on a beautiful sunny day, sunny morning here in Barcelona in a park. Yeah, so you lovely. may hear some people moving around us. Welcome, Susie, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're welcome. Well, we're very happy to have you on because you're our first certificate teacher and you have had 100% success rate mm. with all of your students who have taken their first exam, exam have passed, I'm happy to announce. So mm-hmm. listen up if you're interested. She's got some good advice. So Susie, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm an English teacher. I've been working here in Barcelona for three and a half years now. Um, before that, I was teaching in Italy and France. Uh, and yeah, I've been teaching certificate for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say it's also down to my students, not just down to me, that I have a 100% success rate. <laughs> um, very modest of you. Very hardworking students that I've had over the years. That's important, isn't it, that you have important, dedicated students. A plant's just fallen on my head. <laughs> I thought it was a bird and pooed on you. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> oh, the joys of recording in a park. <laughs> so, Susie, uh, these students that you have that have all passed the exam how how would you say they go about taking the exam what what do they do to make them successful yeah i think it's it's a shame to say it because of course they need to have the right level of language and they need to enjoy learning english and all the rest but the fact is that you need to go into the exam with a really solid knowledge of the exam itself Mm -hmm. all the different parts how long you should spend on each one, mm-hmm. tactics and techniques mm-hmm. for completing them. So we obviously address a lot of that in class time, but it's important for students as well to really practice at home, do past papers under timed exam conditions. And so that's why I say, you know, you've got to be very dedicated as a student yeah. to prepare yourself as well. Yeah, for the exam. like you say, along kind of two veins, along the exam strategy mm-hmm. vein and also along the, the actual language itself. Mm-hmm. So what do you normally recommend your students to do? Um, Well, like I said, uh, past papers and timed conditions just to train your brain Mm -hmm. to know, you know, you don't waste any time Mm -hmm. and get um, stuck in straight away when you get in the exam. Um, Also, there's loads of really cool resources online, like uh, Quizlet is a flashcards website that's really useful for practicing vocab. You can create your own sets, but there's also thousands of sets already made on there that will probably be specific to the FCE exam so students can sort of search on there and find find useful resources there's yeah. also a website called flowjo i think it's flow-joe.co.uk yeah um, that has specific first exam and advanced to practice tasks um, that are also really useful to do extra practice at home yeah and there's also one uh, Anki. Oh, about. yeah. So there's another. It's similar to Quizlet <clears throat> in that you make flashcards. Um, it's a bit more sophisticated. There's all sorts of algorithms behind the flashcards uh, that you sort of assess how well you know a word. And according to that, it will either show you the word more often or less often. Um, and it's a bit more time consuming, but it's definitely worth it for mm. as a self-study technique. It's really effective. Okay. I've never used that personally. Mm. I'll have to check it out. Okay. Um, so when do you think that, how long does it take, if someone was to do the first certificate by themselves, how mm. long would it take for them to prepare normally? Oh, it depends 
how, what kind of language level you've got. So you need to have a, it's a B2 yeah. exam. So you need to sort of have knowledge of all B2 grammar and language points. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you, if you're able to attend a course in an academy that's specifically preparing for that or for a B2 level, then that's going to be really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you feel like you've got a good grasp of that language and you think you might be able to face the exam, that's when you're sort of intense exam practice begins mm-hmm. and in the few months running up to the exam uh, it's really important to just increase that and yeah train yourself basically yes I would also add to that if you are thinking of doing the exam then make sure you, you know, any language that you have learned in class you're going over on a regular mm-hmm. basis not yeah. just the few weeks before the exam as well yeah and um if you're not sure, if you're thinking, oh, maybe I've got the level, maybe I haven't, the best thing to do is just to do a full mock exam and see how you do, you know, yeah. and you can see, okay, I'm fine on the listening, but I need to work on my writing or, yeah. you know, and what work areas. out what your strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses are. Exactly. So if, it, if this was a, a student, let's imagine a student is listening to this 20 minutes before their first exam. Oof, sweating. Starts, sweating, going, oh, my God, I need some last-minute <laughs> advice. What, what would you what would you say to them now? Oh, that's a good question. Don't panic. <laughs> uh, obviously, first day, first, well, exam day nerves are very normal and often we can't control them. But I think if you've, if you've put the work in beforehand, then you really have no reason to be nervous and you just need to think that you, you've done everything you can and just try your best. I suppose that's kind of wishy-washy advice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes exam day pressure can get to people. Yeah, I would say as well, a good tip if you're if you know the person that you're doing the speaking exam with, mm. to to meet up with them and you know practice a few tests and maybe decide who's going to start with yeah. those kind of things to just uh, so that it's not so much a shock in the exam. But obviously, there are some people who are paired with people on the morning of the exam, and that's also fine. Yeah, you know, just if you can chat to them. Yeah. for five minutes before you go in exactly just to get a feel of what they're like or uh, yeah if you, do, if you don't know who you're paired up with maybe just start kind of thinking in English mm. beforehand mm-hmm. so kind of just to mentally prepare yourself yeah alright well thanks very much for coming on the, on the show it's a pleasure Susie it was wonderful and uh, I hope you've enjoyed the wonderful sounds of Barcelona Park <laughs> <laughs> birds pooing B-O-X-B-O-B Okay, so I'm here with Ian Gibbs. Welcome, Ian. Welcome on the podcast. Hello. Thanks very much for speaking to us today. My pleasure. <laughs> so, Ian, uh, can you tell us a little bit about... You have a book out. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? My book is... The title of it is 23 Tips to Learn Stuff Better. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote it, I wrote it as if I were able to send it back in time to myself when I was starting university. This is the book that would have changed my life starting university. Okay, so it's just one of those typical things you're like, if I could, if I could go back in time and tell myself one thing, except you're telling them 23 things. Yes, exactly. Is, is this, if I'd have known then what it is that I know now about study techniques and learning techniques, then that would have made my life much easier university I could have say I could have learned twice as much in half the time I could have gone to all the wonderful parties I could have (laughs) saved myself a lot of uh, night sleep or lack of lack of sleep should I say and got hopefully definitely I would have got better grades 
Ah, so how is this book going to help? Or what specifically is it about these tips that are going to help students learn better? Right. This book is about the, the things that help us learn better that, the, that we are not taught at school. Mm-hmm. We are shoved into the education system. We shove millions of children every year into the education system and we teach them history and geography and English and languages, etc. But bizarrely, what we don't teach them is how to learn. Okay. Which for me is just so ironic. Mm-hmm. And I, I do workshops with people and when, when we finish the workshop, the usual response is, I never knew this. I never realized this. This is so important. Okay. So can you give me an example of what, what those people think are so important? Right. One of the things, for instance, is the, 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 the fundamental mistake that most students make in, try, in learning to distinguish between recognition and understanding that you we're very very good at learning to recognize things it, it's it, we almost do it instantly you can look at 100 200 images one after another for just a second and if one of those images is repeated you recognize that it's been repeated we're extremely quick at recognizing stuff but what this means is that when we read or when we're exposed to material that we want to learn then we recognize it we read a page we recognize that page we recognize the concepts and ideas and we think that because we recognize it then we've learned it and this is a huge mistake just because you recognize in in a context of language learning just because you recognize the second conditional or you recognize the past perfect doesn't mean to say that you've learnt it. It doesn't mean to say that you understand the, the context that you can use it in. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to remember it when you need to. It just means that you recognise it. So how can they go from recognising to learning? learning? The learning process goes through various stages. The, the first stage after, after recognition is, is simply being able to remember stuff, being able to, to bring it back to your memory when you want. And the, the only way to learn how to do that is, is to do it. And what many students do is that they get, they cotton on to this idea of learning to remember stuff just before the exams. It's called revision. Mm-hmm. So they get their, their notes, they get their flashcards, they get people to test them. And they do that maybe a few days or a few weeks before the exam, mm-hmm. which really is also the mistake. When we try to learn something, we should be trying to remember it straight from the very beginning. We should, at, at the end of each lesson or uh, language exchange or whatever, we should be making flashcards or notes or testing ourselves straight after the class. Mm. Because that way you start to be able to learn to remember it straight away, Mm -hmm. rather than waiting for three months or six months until right at the end and then trying to to revise. And then I guess, like recalling that 
that particular set of language, whatever that you've learned mm-hmm. regularly. Regularly. Because the, our, um, our brains are very much like uh, dry earth in the sense that, that when, when you get soil that's dry for a very long time, you can put water on it, but it doesn't absorb the water straight away. People say our, our brains like sponges, and sponges absorb water straight away, whether they're dry or wet. Our brains aren't actually like sponges. Our brains need a lot of time to slowly absorb data and convert that into knowledge and convert that into to information. Mm-hmm. And you can't learn a whole load of stuff in just a few hours. This is one of the things that I, I did so badly at university, so embarrassingly badly. I did study sessions for four or five hours in the evening, expecting that I was going to learn a whole whole chapters of information. And this is so, so, so wrong. Yeah. You, you have, it's drip, 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 mm-hmm. doing a little bit every day. Mm-hmm. That is the way to learn better. Okay. So is there anything you said about hours of study sessions. Is there anything that students are doing now that is really inefficient learning? Is there, is there ways they can make their learning more efficient? One of the traps that's easy to get into is this idea that um, it is forgetting that learning is an active process. And one of the reasons that we forget that learning is an active process is because we think that being in the presence of a teacher or being in the presence of of a book on how to learn whatever, that in itself is going to teach us stuff. Mm -hmm. And what the the real situation is, is that a teacher, no matter how wonderful that teacher, how, how many years of experience, the teacher can open the door to the opportunity of learning. They can dangle carrots in front of students. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can get on your knees and pray. Uh, you can offer them vast quantities of money. But if the student is not prepared to make the effort themselves, then they are not going to learn. And I think you have the sort of student who feels that just by, just by osmosis, just by having a study book in front of them open, that's, that's going to teach them miraculously stuff. And it isn't. They have to make the mental effort to, to meet the teacher at least halfway, mm-hmm. if, not, if not 90% of the way, because the effort has to come from the student. And it's too easy to read a page of text and turn over and really not, have not taken any of it in. Because you hear it here first. Don't rely on your teacher to, to learn your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ian, if, they, if, if students wanted to come and learn a little bit more about, about what you've been saying here, you said you mentioned workshops. When, is there a workshop that they can attend if they're here in Barcelona? Yeah, once, once a month I'm now doing a, this learning workshop, which is having great reviews. I did the first two in English. The next one, I'm actually going to try doing it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, because a lot of people have, have requested, well, please, when you're doing it in Spanish, let me know and I'll come along. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on the 30th of March, which is a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. 
It's in here in Barcelona. Uh, and it's three hours long. And what we do is we assess uh, current the current learning techniques that the the attendees are using, mm-hmm. and then we look at some theory. We look at some practice. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do various uh, activities, and by the end, the student or the attendees leave with their own their own personal structure for learning whatever it is that they need to learn, whether it's a language or whether it's a skill or something more academic, mm-hmm. anything. So it could be more useful than just for, say, the first certificate. Exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. So well worth it. Where, where would that be? Uh, it's in, Sari, in the area of Saria. Okay. And if students wanted to find out more information about it? Then I will have an event on Facebook. Uh, and I expect the title this time would be Aprender Mejor. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Ian. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank and, you. And um, please, if you're interested in attending Ian's event, please look it up on Facebook. And we'll also link that on our social medias as well. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Katie. All right. So, teaching teachers. tips. Yes. So, uh, as we said before the break, the uh, the first certificate can be a very daunting experience um, if you've never taught it before. Mm-hmm. For new and well, even yeah. if you're an experienced teacher, you've never taught it before. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the tweet tweet twitterers tweeters. One of the people we spoke to on Twitter, Twitter, tweet, 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 has recommended, I think this is a really good tip, uh, Amy B at at Admiral Admiral Wamey. Good name. My top tip for teachers preparing students for exams is always do the exam yourself and to see what's involved. Strike, well, just do do the exam yourself to see what's involved. Very good tip. Definitely. Sit down with the... Uh, practice tests you can download the handbook for the FCE or the first certificate or any exam you're doing it's put in Google uh, first handbook or FCE handbook and you'll get example uh, papers Mm -hmm. and just work your way through especially the reading and use of English paper Mm -hmm. what do you do to figure out what the answers are yeah Um, how do you know the answers are correct yeah. Like, is it because of a word in in part one, for example, a word combining with a preposition? Um, for the reading parts, like putting the sentences back into the text, which lots of students can struggle with, which I struggle with personally. Um, That's my out. favorite one. Really? Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> a lot of students hate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can really empathize with, empathize with the students. Yeah. Um, if you go through what they're going exactly. through as well. I would say that's probably good advice for any exam that you're yep. teaching. And maybe also, you know, if you're going to be giving them an exercise or something, like doing it yourself is also a good way of thinking about what they're going to struggle with yep. in the exercise. Definitely. Um, um, and it's, yeah, it's good to put yourself in the student's shoes. Definitely. Amy also talks about um, ensuring that students are familiar with the tasks and the rubrics, the rules, etc., including the speaking exam, because um, this can help students reduce their nerves on the day. So they need to know exactly um, what to expect when they go into the room. There's tons of 
videos on YouTube of the different speaking parts. So there's no surprises on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Corrine McAllery as well uh, says the same thing. She's um, at Matt's support. At Matt's support. She's got a great blog, uh, lots of lesson plans. Um, check it out. Um, she says, without a sh- secure handle and what's involved, you can't help. Okay, so you need to know exactly how the exam works, the rubrics, how each part needs to be completed, um, so you can help students to understand it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would completely mm-hmm. agree with that. Um, and once you've done that and gone through it, you can, and once you've thought about how you would do each thing, you can then break that down for students so it is a bit less intimidating and saying like, um, like un- maybe underlining things, you yeah. know, to help them out when they're coming, you could give give them maybe like a, if it's a use of English accent exercise, for example, give them them the copy and then underlining things as you go. Yeah, pointing things out, kind of going, mm-hmm. where do you, what do you think might go here? Yeah, getting that them sort to of thing. Um, predict what the answers might be. Yeah. Um, Another thing for te- that I found that someone I can't remember where I read this. I don't know if I read it or someone told me, but once they've done the exercise. Mm-hmm. Then getting them to recall what they what they just did. So, for example, if if it was like they there was a, I don't know, make up came up in the in the exercise. Yeah. You might be the like, okay, what was the what was the the expression that we use with make? Right. And then they have to go, oh, what was it? Was it make out, make make over, make up? Okay. And what did that mean? Okay. Yeah, it meant to invent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, definitely. doing something like that just hopefully will just refresh their memories a little bit. And point mm-hmm. out um, parts that they might have found tricky. Definitely. Um. Um, on the, you know, we were talking about vo- vocabulary books for students. Yep. I think it's really important to have really clear um, board work as yep. a teacher. Mm-hmm. When, especially when it comes to vocabulary. So indicating if it's a noun or an adjective. Under maybe underlining the stress of the word, yeah. Maybe even getting them to come up with an example sentence themselves that they can write down, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, expanding on that word. So can they think of another way to say that word or expression? Yeah, paraphrasing it as well. Like yeah. an important uh, skill that they need for all these exams is yeah, exactly paraphrasing is a say, huge part of it, isn't yeah. it? How to say the same thing in four or five different ways? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like you're saying, giving them a, the, a really good way of uh, keeping track of the word, keeping track of the pronunciation, the meaning, the form. Exactly. Um, so that they can use those notes to study for yeah. themselves later on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then they can go back to that. If they're doing, for example, a writing task, you can tell them to go back to that page and say, here's some vocabulary that we did a couple of weeks ago. Try and use that in your writing task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Lots of recall techniques. Something I always do is keep track of all the vocabulary that comes up in class mm-hmm. on little colored pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. It's not like a revolutionary thing. I know lots of <laughs> teachers do it. Um, like mini flashcards. Yeah, like little mini flashcards and then little chunks of language that come up. So the other day we were doing um, uh, going to the doctors. So it's stuff like have a headache, have an earache, have a sore throat, all these bits of language. So I wrote them all on little cards and added them to the big pack of cards of all the vocabulary we've been studying. So there could be like tr- travel vocab in there, there could be phrasal verbs in there, loads of stuff. And then you've always got 
um, the cards to use, to play little games with, to mm -hmm. recycle the vocabulary, mm -hmm. put them in groups, get them to give them a minute to describe as many of the mm -hmm. um, expressions as they can to their group. They get one point for each one. Um, or playing heads up, which is like the Ellen to Janeiro's game. It's where you put the expression on your head. Yeah, so you have to like hold the expression in front of your forehead so that you can't see it, and then all your group have to explain the definition, give you a definition. <laughs> That's um, a good idea. My students love that game. I think games in general, mm -hmm. any game yeah. for revision or teaching is going to be way more engaging than just getting them to sit down yeah. and do, do exam tasks. Yeah, and just varying it as well. So finding four or five different games that you rotate. Yeah, exactly. Always using the well, the cards or whatever yeah. to, to keep the... Well, you know, regarding the cards you talk about, when mm -hmm. I, I do that as well, and I just um, you know deal them out at the beginning of a class and just get them to go through them for the first five minutes of class when people are still turning up, yeah. that kind of thing. Exactly. So a bit of revision from the previous day. Definitely. Or, you know, recall. You know, recall. yeah. recalling them again. Um, there was a good exercise I saw, I think it was from Teresa Beswick, on Twitter the other day on another topic, talking about vocabulary activities. Um, she was saying the thing with, uh, with the cards, it was either Teresa or Sarah, another <laughs> teacher trainer, sorry, I can't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, she was saying, like, so you put all the Fact cards check. on the table, put all the cards on the table of all the vocab they've studied over the last, like, four or five weeks, and then give the students like a piece of paper with a column with columns. Um, they look at all the cards. In one column, they've got to write vocabulary they know. And they're like, okay, I know that word. And they f fill in all the words where they're like, I'm 100% sure that I know that word and I can use it in a sentence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is, the next column is vocabulary I think I know. Okay. Which is like they kind of remember what it is, but they can't quite remember how to use it. Mm -hmm. And then the third column is vocabulary I've forgotten. Right. So they're looking at all the vocab they've looked at for the last five weeks. Mm -hmm. And then they see with their group which ones they have in common. If there's stuff that one of them's forgotten, but the other one's put in their column saying, I know this, so they can do some peer teaching mm -hmm. and like top up and help each other out that's that way. A really, that's a really nice like, yeah, really nice way of doing it. There's a lot of um, like kind of flashcard websites that do something similar, though yeah. not so collaboratively. Mm -hmm. For example, you probably all have heard of Quizlet, but... Yeah. I would rec I recommend my students to use it as a way of revision mm -hmm. instead of a way of, you know, we use it sometimes as a way to thing to do in class, but you can also give it to them for homework, for example, because um, if you click on the learn button on the Quizlet website, it shows students which words they're familiar with and which words they're not familiar with, a, yeah. bit, a bit similar to that it activity. It keeps track of it. Exactly. And they can have it on their phones. Yeah, so um, they can do it on the bus. They can do it on the bus on the way to... On the way to class and do it when they sat on the toilet if they want yeah we should have included this in the student <laughs> section um <laughs> if you're still so, listening students <laughs> quizlet <laughs> so uh there's a great resource for teachers on sandy millen's blog um if you go to sandymillen.wordpress.com that's s-a-n-d-y-m-i-l-l-i-n.wordpress.com she's got a great website um, which has uh, a page of useful FCE websites um, which has loads of links to online tests uh, lesson plans and loads of great resources for mm -hmm. teachers and for students yeah. um, so check that out 
some of them are for the old version of the exam, so the exam's changed yeah, a little bit. Yeah, be aware that 2015, the exam changed quite dramatically, so yeah. make sure you're up with the up 2015 updated yeah. format of the exam. But lots of the language is still the same, so all, yeah. the, all the websites are still really useful. Um, yeah, I think... We've covered quite a lot. We've covered quite a lot. Well, as we said, we will come back to some of these mm-hmm. subskills in future episodes. Yeah. And if you as teachers have any doubts of like, how can we teach this or how, you know, whatever, then we will do our best to um, answer those questions. Exactly. What's the scariest, most daunting part of it for you as a teacher? The bit <laughs> that you can't get your head around. The fact that you just said scariest, I thought, I just thought, scary casco. <laughs> scary casco. Scary casco. <laughs> So, scary casco. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And um, catch you around next time. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we'd like to say thanks to our wonderful sound producer, Ben Ward, for all his hard work editing and recording the show. Um, to Mark Wilding, who made our artwork and branding. To Lisa Marie Court, Bernice Ray, Vicky Malena, and our own Katie Wright for singing the jingles. And obviously the presenters, uh, Katie Wright, the wonderful Katie Wright, and myself. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, leave a comment on the Facebook page or the other social medias and share, 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 share the link. Okay. Get it out to as many people as possible. So thanks to all our guests this week and tune in next time. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod.